Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jason. Well, good morning, church, again. It's good to see you. And uh, if you would, pull out your Bibles, pull out your outlines, and attach your planner, or you can go to Version. And as you're doing that, if you'd silent your phones, we are going to start this new series over the course of the next several weeks. And man, it's hard to believe that it's June 3rd already, right? I mean, I'm, or am I the only one that's shocked like it's June already? It's just, man, where does the time go? And so uh, we're going to start this new series entitled Our God Is, and we're looking at the different names of God, looking at some of the different names that God is called by. And in fact, our God is known by many different names. He's known by many different names. Now, I understand that we call him God. We, in general speaking, call him God, and we understand what we're meaning or implying by that. In fact, we read our English translation Bibles, and we see for the most of the time that the words, or that the word God is in there, and we reference God as in that. But there are many different Hebrew names uh, going back to who God is. That if, you want, if we look at the importance of names, names... Are important. In fact, in biblical times, in Old Testament times, or uh, they would name someone based on their personality or character. And we see even in the New Testament that uh, some names were changed. Jesus changed, you know, some names from this person to this because of who they were going to be. And so there's importance behind the name. And when it comes to God, there are many different names to, of God to describe His nature and character. To describe who he is as God. It's hard for us to understand who God is. But we can begin to understand him. We can begin to understand his nature and character. We can grow more in love with him when we understand his names and we go back and look at his names. And, And maybe you're here today or maybe you've never been through a study of the different names of God. Well, My prayer, my hope is that God would just inspire you. He would draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus because it's through Jesus that we can experience all of the names and nature and character of who God is. And so if maybe you've done a study already, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would would remind you of who God is in your life, in and through your relationship with Christ. And so that's really the purpose of this series. And again, in Old Testament times, people that communicated with God would know and understand the different names of God in order to address them as such. Israel was taught the different names of God so that they would know who it is that they serve and follow. And so we're going to look at some of the different names of God in this series mentioned in the Old Testament, and they were written in Hebrew. And so some of the names we're going to look at, and you saw just in that opening video, those are names that are written in Hebrew. What does that mean? And so we're going to look at that and kind of unpack that a little bit over the course of this series. Today we're going to look at a few of the different names, and then over the course of this series we're generally going to look at about one name per week of who God is. So look with me, if you will, at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see the name God here, G-O-D, and God is referenced here in creating the heavens and the earth. 
Now, Moses wrote the book of Genesis. We know that. And he's telling us that at the beginning of time, as we know it, God created the world. And we know from scripture that he created it in six days and then he rested on the seventh. But the name that God here is actually using the Hebrew word. If you were to look at the Hebrew Bible, the word written here would be Elohim, which means true God. So it's saying in the beginning, Elohim or the one true God created the heavens and the earth is what this passage is really saying. Moses is saying or telling us that Elohim created the heavens and the earth back at the beginning of time. The Elohim here is plural, referring to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three persons in the Godhead or Trinity were involved in creation, is what this passage is saying. And so, for us, we can see that we serve Elohim. We serve the one true God. We serve the God who spoke things into existence at the beginning of the creation of the world. And he still speaks things into existence today. He takes things from nothing and speaks it into existence to become something, to become the life of God. And so we know that God is the true God. He's alive, he's not dead, and he is Elohim. Now the first part of Elohim is El, the E-L. Now E-L means God as in the divine God, the God that we're talking about in the Bible, capital G-O-D. It also is a lowercase G-O-D, and it also means mighty one or strength. And when you see the root word L, E-L, it can reference any one of these meanings. And you compound it and put it together. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, the word L is used over 200 times. And so when it comes to the divine God, or when it comes to the one true God, Elohim, we are acknowledging that he is the God. The God. There is no greater God. Than Elohim. But that word El can also mean mighty one, strength, or power. So we're, when we're, we're referencing and we're talking about God and who he is, we're talking that he is the one true God. He's all-powerful. He has all might. He has all strength. And he's the true God. Now, it can also mean, as I already mentioned, God with a lowercase g. Any Superman fans in here? Woo! Yeah. Who loves Superman? I do. All right, just a few of you, okay. So if you recall the story of Superman, which is fictional, it's not real, right? It's fictional. Clark Kent's real name was Cal L, which referenced that he was some type of a god with a lowercase g, and it represented, or he represented as Superman, that he had might, he had strength and power to be able to help humans that no other human had the same ability that he had. And that's where that Cal L came from, that L standing for lowercase g-o-d. Well, our God is greater and stronger and mightier and more powerful than Superman or any other fictional character out there, right? We serve the one true God. And so there are different names for God in Scripture that begin with L. But before we get into some of that today, I want us to read a Scripture pertaining to Elohim or the one true God that we serve. It says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 4, he is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God or a faithful Elohim who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Because he is Elohim, God is faithful. As the one true God, because he's true, because he 
holds to his word, because he holds to his promises as the one true God, because he created the world, God is faithful. And we serve the one true God. There is no God greater than our God. There is no one else who has all truth and all wisdom. There is no other God that can supersede Elohim as we know him. And because he is the true God, he is faithful. He's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his promises. And he's faithful to his character and who he is as God. He is truth. That's why Jesus is the truth, the life, and the way. It's referencing back to who Elohim is in our life. And we can know God as such. And he's faithful to us because of his great love for us. All his ways are just in what he does. God doesn't do anything as Elohim that would be coincidental. He is just in his love. He's just in his correction in our lives. He is just in his judgment. He's just in everything he does as Elohim. We serve a perfect God. His works are perfect, meaning he doesn't do anything that's wrong. And Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus and reflecting who God is, he was a reflection of the, of, of the Trinity because he lived the perfect life. That's one reason we know that he's the son of God or who he, he is because he says he is the son of God. And we can trust him in that because he's true. So God as Elohim is the true God who is faithful. Now, a few verses later in the same chapter, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, it reads, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. Now, we know that Moses also wrote the book of Deuteronomy, and here we see the name Most High in the English language in reference to God. Now, the word in the Hebrew Bible that was placed here for Most High is this. It's El Elyon which means most high God. It means God is the highest or uppermost God that has ever been or will ever, or will ever be. There is no God that is greater because God is most high. It ends all with him. It signifies that he's the one above all beings as the maker and the creator of everything and everyone. That he is the possessor of, and ruler of all things. And as the Most High God, he's incomparable in all his ways. He's not subject to anyone or anything. But because he is the exalted one. He's the one that we lift up. He is the Most High. There is no one or nothing higher than our God. So why do we run and search for other solutions from other things? We should go to the Most High God. Always go to the Most High. Always run to the Most High because he's faithful. He's the one true God as Elohim. And as El Elyon, he's the Most High. Moses, he reminds us that God the Most High divided up mankind and he gave the nations their inheritance. He gave the nations their boundaries. It was instituted by God and this illustrates that God is the ruler of all things, that he is Most High, that there is no one, there is no other God, there's no other being that's higher than El Elyon. The Most High God. And then it says in Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20, and we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures here, so stick with me here. We want to get through some of these different names of God. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. 
He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, obviously, it's referencing God here. Again, as El Elyon, the Most High God that we serve. And Melchizedek was the high priest of God Most High in Abraham's time. He served God most high. And Melchizedek was referenced again later in the, in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 7 as the high priest. And then the comparison along that is said, but there's even a greater high priest, which is Jesus. And because Jesus is the son of God, because he shed his blood for us, he became the high priest of a new covenant that we have with God. Because of him giving his life through us. So Jesus is our high priest who represents, again, the most high God that we serve, that there is no greater high priest than Jesus. We don't have to go to a priest. We don't have to, uh, you, know, you don't have to come to me to say, okay, pastor, I've sinned. So I need you to help me to get forgiveness. You can go to God straight on your own because of what Christ did. That's the new covenant through what Christ did for us. And there's power in that. Why? Because we serve the most high God. Amen. Moving on in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham makes a treaty with Abimelech. Abimelech was the king of Gerar, and he, Abraham makes his treaty with him about a well that Abraham had owned, and it belonged rightfully to him, but Abimelech's servants had taken it from Abraham. And so the two made a treaty, and this is what happened after the treaty was made. This is what it says in verse 33 of Genesis 21. It says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Now, there's so much being said here in this one verse, and I want to take a few moments just to look at it. But in regards to the name of the Lord, Moses lets us know that Abraham called on the Lord by calling him El Olam, the everlasting God. We see here that El Olam is, is, in, is really in reference to God, meaning the eternal God. We serve the God that is eternal. God has always existed and will always exist. He is everlasting, which is why Abraham planted a tamarisk tree. Now, this, these are some details here that you may just have overlooked before in Scripture or reading this passage before, but a tamarisk tree is an evergreen tree. An evergreen tree is a tree that always has green needles or leaves depending on what type of tree, depending on what type of evergreen tree it is. And evergreen trees in the Old Testament were symbolic of eternity. They referenced an everlasting or a lifelong commitment to covenant with God. So when Abraham made this treaty with Abimelech to get the wells back that he rightfully owned, Abraham was saying, because you are the eternal God, because you are the everlasting God, because you are El Olam that has been faithful to me and you promised to birth nations through me, because you've been faithful in giving me Isaac, which happened before this treaty, because you are faithful with me as the everlasting or, or eternal God, Abraham was saying, I'm making a covenant with you by planting this tamarisk or this evergreen tree symbolic of the eternal and everlasting God that you are and that I serve is what Abraham was saying in that passage. And his actions proved it. God had already made a covenant with him. 
But here Abraham was saying, all that I've been through, because you are the everlasting God, because you have always been, you always will be, because you've been faithful to your word as the one true God, I'm making a covenant with you and I'm planting this tree as the covenant because it's symbolic of the covenant that we have together. Wow, how powerful is that? That's the power of God's word. When we begin to dig in and understand who our God is, who his nature is, who his character is, and what he has come to do in our lives, God is faithful to everything. We serve the same God that Abraham did. Come on now. We serve El Olam, the everlasting God. The God that has always been and will always will be. The God that has made a new covenant with us through Jesus as our Savior. This is what Psalms 90 has to say about El Olam. In verse 1 and 2, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And the word there is used is El Olam, the everlasting God. God is and has been our dwelling place because he is the everlasting God. He's eternal. In Isaiah 44, verse 6, God says he is the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and Omega. There are other names of God that connect to his eternal or everlasting nature. Now, Alpha means first or the beginning, and Omega means last or ending. And God refers to himself as the beginning and the ending. God's saying it all starts with me, and it all ends with me. He has the last say. He has the last word. He is everlasting. In fact, we know the world started with him. As we just read back in Genesis 1-1, it all started with him. He's the Alpha, and eternity will continue through him for those that know him personally. God is also known as the Ancient of Days, we see in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And Daniel references God in, that, in, that, in his book as the Ancient of Days. Again, this is an, another name connected to the eternal or everlasting nature of God. God is before time. In fact, God created time as we know it. There's been no one else or nothing else before God because he has always existed. And he will always exist as the creator and maker of life. He's the ancient of days, which ties to El Olam. He's the everlasting God. He's the eternal God. Genesis 17 talks about another name of God in verse 1, and it reads, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. In this passage, God is telling Abraham and us that he is God Almighty. And maybe we, we use that terminology, terminology within our relationship with the Lord, and we talk about him, and we praise him as God Almighty. You are the God Almighty. Well, the Hebrew word for this is El Shaddai, which means Almighty God. A more specific definition of El Shaddai is this. God is the all-powerful, all-sufficient, transcendent, and sovereign ruler. God is the one who nourishes, supplies, and satisfies because he is the end all. He is almighty God. We go to him because he's almighty. He's, it's the end all. In this passage of Genesis, God was making a covenant with Abraham who is now going to become Abraham. And God was telling Abraham and us that he's God almighty. He is El Shaddai here in this verse. And that he has all the power, he is all sufficient, or he doesn't rely on anyone or anything as God. 
and that he is the sovereign ruler over everyone and everything. And if Abram would walk with him faithfully, if he'd walk with him blamelessly before God, God would nourish, God would supply and satisfy Abraham and Sarah, their family, and the generations that came after them is what God was saying in this passage because of who he is in his name. And so at 99 years old, Abraham then circumcised himself and every male who belonged to his um, family who was under his household or under his care and they worked for him and as to solidify the covenant that God had initiated with him. That was the sign that they were supposed to be obedient to and that God had asked them to do. Church, for our lives, when, when we walk faithfully with God, when we walk blamelessly before God, it doesn't mean that we're not gonna make mistakes. That's not what walking faithfully is. In fact, Abraham made some mistakes, even in his life. Walking faithfully means that we have a heart of repentance when we sin. That we have a heart of humility and we come back before the Lord and say, God, we've done wrong, just like David did. And we get back up on our feet and say, God, I'm gonna continue to serve you. I'm not gonna let my, st- my mistake, I'm not gonna let my sin or my past hold me back from serving you faithfully, God. You are the one true God, and I acknowledge that. I acknowledge you, and I'm going to continue to get up and walk with you and follow you and be obedient to your word and your ways. That's what walking faithfully and being blameless before God means. And when we walk like that, God is able to bless our lives as El Shaddai, meaning he will nourish, he will supply, and he will satisfy us in every single way because he is all-powerful, He's all sufficient and he's the sovereign ruler of our lives. That's the power of the meaning of who our God is in El Shaddai. Another name for God he calls himself when it comes to his nature is found in Exodus 6, verse 3. He says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. Now, God was speaking to Moses here, and he was telling him that he had walked with Abraham, he'd walked with Isaac, and walked with Jacob as El Shaddai, or as God Almighty. And even though he knew them and was with them, he didn't fully reveal himself to them as Lord, is what God was saying. And God called himself here in that name, the Lord. He called himself Adonai. You see, our God is Adonai, which means Lord. The word Adonai refers to God as master, ruler, owner, and Lord of our lives. We call God Lord of our lives when we address him in that way because we understand that he's the master of our lives, that he's the ruler of our life. And Jesus, obviously according to scripture, should be the Lord of our life when we've given our life to him and given him full control over every part of our heart and life, over every single area. In fact, Jesus even said in Luke, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? Jesus didn't come just to be savior of the world. So many times we can get that wrong within the Christian faith. Is that if we just accept Christ to be the savior of our life, that we can have complete forgiveness within our life and sin. And yes, he came to do that, but Jesus came also to be Lord over our life. So that we would die to the sin that we would die to our flesh, that we would die to all the things in our life. It's so important that when we accept Christ into our heart and life, that we accept him as Lord and Savior, that we make him the master, the ruler, 
the Lord and the owner of our lives. Our lives belong to him because of what he did for us. And so that's what Adonai means here. And as believers, we need to address God in our communication with him that he is Lord over our life. Because when we do, we're acknowledging God's intense majesty and greatness because of who he is, but we also understand that we belong to him and that he's the ruler of our life. We're honoring him and we're submitting to him. We know and we call him Lord and because we know that we're humbly submitting to him with faith, assurance, and thanksgiving, knowing and understanding that he's in control of our life and circumstances. That no matter what we walk through, no matter what we go through, we're submitting to his lordship. He's the shepherd of our life. And so we must acknowledge God as Lord. We must live with that mentality that God, you are Lord over my life. I'm not Lord over my life. God, you're Lord over my life. God, I want your will to be accomplished. I want your plans and purposes to be fulfilled in every single area. So God, you be Adonai. You be the Lord of my life in every single area. The last name I want us to look at today is found in Exodus chapter three, verses 13 through 15. And it says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Meaning he's the everlasting God. He's referencing back there. And so again, some of the context here of what's happening, Moses was at the burning bush in this passage of scripture. God was calling Moses to lead his people. And Moses is feeling overwhelmed here in this moment. He's feeling under-equipped at the mantle of leadership that God was calling him to. And so Moses is questioning God, and he's wanting to know, how should I go about telling the Israelites that you're calling me to lead them? God, I mean, if who's going to believe me? Out of the blue, here I come and say, okay, God's called me to lead you. And so he's asking him, he's feeling overwhelmed and under-equipped. And God says, tell them that I am has sent me to you. The Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to here, sent me to you, which is my name forever and will continue from generation to generation. I want you to see that God was referring himself here as Yahweh. I am He was referring himself here in this passage as Yahweh or Jehovah because Yahweh or Jehovah is God's personal name in his relationship as Redeemer. The name Yahweh reveals God's nature in the highest and the fullest way possible. Yahweh or Jehovah includes the meaning of of all the other names of God. It encompasses all the other names. And it stresses the absolute faithfulness of God as the redeemer of our lives. And in that culture, the Israelites would consider the name Yahweh to be so holy that they wouldn't even use the vowels to spell or write it out. They would only use the other letters, the Y-H-W-H, to refer to God. 
And it's out of Yahweh where we get the name Jehovah, which is also a reference of all the other names of God because he's the redeemer of our lives. And over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to look at the different names of Jehovah and how they apply to our relationship with God as our redeemer because he's redeemed us through Christ and he's Jehovah. In closing, we must understand, and I want to remind you that there is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. We can read through scripture, we can look at and do a study on the names of God and we can understand and be reminded again and be encouraged and inspired and drawn closer to God because there is no one like our God who we serve. We can't take God for granted. When we read, read his name here in scripture, we, we must understand what it's talking about to us personally. We must understand what it's talking about in that culture and how it applies to us personally. Because we serve the one true God who is the sovereign ruler. We must know his names so that we understand, that we recognize and honor the God that we serve. And just at looking at the names that we looked at today, we can put them together and we can see that our God is true and faithful. He's the most high, almighty God that is everlasting from beginning to end. He is Lord over all and he makes himself known as Jehovah to his people through a personal relationship with him and know him as the redeemer of their lives. When you put all those names together, that's what that means. That's who our God is. And it's through Christ that we can experience every part of God's nature and character and power in relationship with us in our lives. Man, how amazing is that? He's a personal God. That's why he said, Yahweh, I am. Meaning, I'm your personal God. I will lead you. I've sent you, Moses. He's telling the Israelites that I'm your personal God, Israel. I will lead you and I will guide you. And I will bring redemption for your lives. And that's what God is saying through Christ to us. That I'm your personal God. That's why it all comes down to a personal relationship with Jesus. Because God is a personal God. And it's through Christ that we have that new covenant to know who our God is and live and walk in that to know that we serve the one true God who is faithful. He's the most high. He's the almighty. He's the everlasting God. He's always gonna be and he's Jehovah. He's a personal God for our lives. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?